Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and queer. I am pan, trans, and Lebanese, and we're recording here in Washington, D.C. This is a a check-in with Ellie episode. It's going, this is post-surgery for Ellie. Um, So go for it, Ellie. I know you wanted to kind of give an overview of what you're going to cover as a content warning for people. Okay, so this is going to be covering me recovering from my gender surgery. There's going to be talking about sex. It's going to be sex. It's going to be sexual sometimes. It is going to be bloody. And it's going to be pretty graphic. So for those of you who need to cut out, I understand. It's totally cool. I'll accept your congratulations on Twitter with no context needed. How are you feeling? Uh, Pretty good. This is the first time I've had an interview on my back. So that's kind of neat. (laughs) I'm lying down right now. I have to lie down a lot. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, so for those of you who don't know, I'm trans, you may have noticed, and I've always wanted to pursue sex re- what's been known as sex reassignment surgery, gender conversa- confirmation surgery, uh, gender reassignment surgery. It's lot, you know how it is with the names. It flips over the years. I'm just making sure I'm using the one everyone knows. So, in short, penis into invi- vagina. The technical term I had for what I had is penile inversion, which is basically they use the penis and scrotum to form. Basically, you know, female genitals got, you know, penis becomes basically a clit. You got the whole labia and lips. You got the vagina. And they use the penis to build out the vagina. And with a surprising amount of feeling, I did not expect this much much sensation this early in. Hmm. Any questions? Uh, Questions. Okay, cool. It has been 21 days, right? It's been exactly three weeks. Yep. Um, can you kind of walk people through the recovery so far? Like, how were you feeling at the beginning? Now, how are you feeling in comparison? Uh, what you've had to do along the way? All right. So the whole process actually starts way before. I have to get two doctor's letters, one from like a doctor doctor and a therapist or psychologist and one from basically a counselor or anyone else. I have to submit that to the to the surgeon. In this case, my surgeon was Dr. McGinn. Hey, if you listen, uh, <laughs> New Hope, Pennsylvania, to be exact. For me, the, from there, once you've had your consultation and you're accepted, you basically have a two-week prep period before the day of surgery. You can't eat certain things. You have to avoid a whole ton of supplements. You can't have garlic. Let that sink in. <laughs> Meaning no garlic in my hummus, no garlic in my salads no garlic in my meats no garlic very traumatic and i can't have it for up to two weeks afterwards so thankfully the garlic prohibition is over other than that you have to take iron supplements to make sure you have enough iron then you have to do a whole bunch of stuff in short you have to prepare and 48 hours before you're on a liquid diet the day of i was actually surprisingly not nervous i was actually super cool the thing that was making me most nervous was my insurance and dealing with the American medical leave law because I didn't want to lose my job because we have no official medical leave at my job and there's no way I can get like basically two months worth of sick days to recover because I barely, I basically get four weeks of vacation a year and I used a lot of it this year just to cover medical stuff. So yeah, so went in for the... Day of surgery, show up six in the morning, 
say hi to the nurse, fill out the forms. They inform you that this is a permanent surgery that cannot be reversed for the 40,000th time. And I'm like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. And after that, they strap you to a, strap you to bed, take you in for a few more interviews. I kind of joked around with the uh, the preoperative nurse who was helping me out and taking all my vitals to be like, do you need me to circle the, which genitals you're going to work on? <laughs> he laughed at that one. So, and, you know, I don't remember anything after that. And I woke up and, you know, I always expected I would have some level of regret. I was like, woke up and I was like, I have no penis. And this is amazing. Finally free of that fucker. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, a lot of trans people, not all, Oh, uh, and this is where I'm going to throw in my second disclaimer. A trans person is trans if they say they're trans. They, not all trans people want to pursue surgery. Not all trans people want to pursue transition for various reasons. I've had friends who didn't transition because it would basically kill their career. I've had friends who didn't transition because they didn't want to lose their husbands and or wives or who didn't want to basically get into a custody battle while trans. It's messy. And... And some people just don't want to. The surgery, they, they're like, the surgery sucks. I don't want that. Or if you're in America, um, the surgery costs anywhere from 25 to 40 grand, depending on who you go to, where, and what complications you have. So, you know, um, surgery is not an option for everyone. Plus, you have to have to be able to get the time off. Yes, you can get FMLA, which is Family Medical Leave Act time for it. But there's a lot of buts attached to that. So with all that disclaimer said, a lot of trans people, but not all, and this is not required to be trans, suffer for something that's called dysphoria. It's kind of like depression, but it's almost like a feeling that something is fundamentally wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, I was like, should I have boobs? Do, do I want boobs? I really wish I do. It feels like I should have them. And it's a really weird feeling because it's not couched in any sort of like logic, you know, because before basically 23 I didn't have breasts never you know it just wasn't a thing but I was constantly upset I didn't have them which is like really weird because like where do you get that logically you know I've always been dangerously close to being a logic bro in my younger life (laughs) logic bro uh you know the type of when I say dangerous close to logic bro logic bros are like the kind of dudes who are like oh I'm so logical and reasonable that's bullshit by the way you know people's feelings are legit and you should respect them always but for younger me it's both upsetting the fact that I had these feelings and I couldn't really explain them in term in like reasonable terms to anyone it was it's it's hard mm-hmm. and I still can't at age 38 so basically 16 years later basically I had the same feeling towards my penis I was like I dislike it intensely. I wish it wasn't there. It feels weird all the time. It made relationships and sex and stuff difficult. Like, you know, it's, again, hard to explain because it's like, yeah, it's the source of intense pleasure for a lot of people, including me. But it's also like, can be intensely distracting because it's like, I like what's happening, but I also kind of hate the fact that it's there. And unless I'm like really into it, you know, it's kind of rough. So I wake up and it's gone and I feel fantastic. And it's almost a little disturbing how fantastic I feel because it's like, I don't feel this good normally. Why do I feel so amazing? Is this what really what the payoff was of all this? And again, not logical, but an intense feeling of relief. I 
was expecting some level of regret, like any level of regret. About the only thing I could say positively about at this point is, well, peeing was a lot easier, but that's about it. So, but that's actually getting better now. Um, uh, that is changing. Cool. Oh, um, so I wake up. I basically spend a few, I think I had Wednesday, surgery Wednesday, I was discharged Saturday. So four days in the hospital. And the most uncomfortable thing, aside from basically having a whole bunch of bandages across my very, very sore crotch and a catheter that is that I later learned was stitched into me. Whoa. Yeah. Um, more on that later. Hmm. It's it wasn't that painful. I mean, I had the morphine drip, but I was I think I was in more pain from the migraine headache I had from not drinking any caffeine than anything else. <laughs> I'm. I would later learn from both the nurses and Dr. McGinn that my pain tolerance is stupidly high. Like, um, this is where the more on that later. Um, so when I was having the catheter removed later, um, she tried to pull it out without taking the stitches out. This, why? Because uh, she forgot. Oh. But, I mean, she was gentle, but it was still like, um, is it stuck? And she's like, oh, it's, it's stitched. Just give me a minute. I was just like... It was intense, but... And you learned that you can feel pain. I learned that I can feel pain, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. And it was just... Good. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, basically had to learn to sit very, very still for a, couple, for a couple days. Can't move around very much because basically your crotch is held together by stitches and glue. And if you move around too much, you bleed a lot. And you, you had very limited things that you could eat. Right. Uh, yeah. Like one of the major issues is you don't want to get a yeast infection. So you want to make sure like, because that's now a thing for me. Um, so you have to eat yogurt. You cannot get constipated because if you become constipated, you could cause a fistula, which is meaning you're, if you put too much pressure on the anus, it will leak into the vagina or the walls will break. It's exactly as gross as it sounds. And it's probably one of the worst complications because it leads to infection. You have to have corrective surgery. It's bad. You don't want that. To have to stay on a probiotic and basically stuff to stay regular. So that happened. So yeah, from there, I uh, spent basically a week, another week and a half in New Hope, Virginia, or not New Hope, Virginia, New Hope, New Hope Pennsylvania, which is a town name that is surprisingly on the nose. Right. I mean, really? It's almost too perfect. It Dr. McGinn planned that. I hope she did. She <laughs> seems like the person who would. She is. Um, on a side note, Dr. McGinn is amazing. Like, I have a huge fear of doctors. I, seeing new doctors basically gives me a panic attack in the best of circumstances. And this is because I've had a lot of bad doctor experiences because of the whole trans thing. Dr. McGinn's staff and everyone I interacted with there... It may not have cured me of my fear of doctors, but it certainly, like, put a huge dent in it. She laughed at my incredibly nervous and bad jokes. Like? <laughs> I mean, this one especially for Thanksgiving, because that's around the time I had it. It's like, you know, most Thanksgiving, we get ready to carve up the, and get, carve up the turvy, turkey and get it ready to be stuffed. This Thanksgiving, it's my turn. Um, there's, of course, the, if after surgery, I was like, if anyone wants to suck my dick, they can go find the medical waste dump in Jersey, find what's left of it, and go suck it there. And then there was another good one. Um. one. I basically wanted to get an eggplant and throw it out the window and just be like, just to have that photo. It's like, 
finally. <laughs> this is done. Nadia said to that, she was like, you better bring that eggplant back in and make some baba ganoush. Nadia with the, uh, with the efficiency there. <laughs> uh, I want to hear your questions. Okay. So I know we talked before we started recording. You wanted me to, you said you wanted to talk about this since you currently still remember the feeling of having a penis and that memory might eventually fade. You said you wanted to talk about like physically um, the differences that you are noticing. Well, for one, it's a lot less weight down there. <laughs> um, crossing my legs is certainly easier, but imagine a tube basically going from like just in front of your ass where like your vagina would be and just have it like running up the front of it with like a sack of meat hanging from below that. And every time you get turned on, even a little bit, that entire tube gets hard to the point of maybe painfulness. That's a penis. And otherwise, it just sort of sits there and is useless and sometimes leaks after you pee. It sucks. Shake, okay. tw- shake twice, people. What are you feeling now? Pretty good. I'm, it's like, hey, it's not in the way. I don't have to, I don't have to tuck anymore. Tuck is, of course, when you basically fold up your penis and balls and so it doesn't bulge in front mm-hmm. and have that awkward appearance like she has a penis because you know not everyone's cool with that i can wear yoga pants now without having to tuck i am definitely going to wear yoga pants i want i want yoga pants and leggings for christmas that's how in, like how happy that made me let's see what else is definitely going to need a vibrator for christmas too because oh one other thing you can't do uh because you're basically held together again glue and stitches and the absolute minimum before any sexual activity whatsoever is six weeks which will be just around christmas for me and even then you have to be super gentle and a lot of my friends have said like wait two or three months i'm curious is a vibrator too strong that Uh, early it might be basically according to the nurse um you can experiment but be make sure your partner is extremely gentle Or if you're doing it yourself, you know, be gentle with yourself. Again, a few of my friends I've talked to who've had the same surgery type have basically said, "Um, you can, but uh, you might want to wait because a lot of the nerves are still sort of like waking up and like figuring out what's going on. And so you won't have like full feeling. It will, it might feel weird, but the sensation's definitely there. Like... Definitely. Oh, and oh, I forgot to cover one other thing that's sort of become a daily routine for me is after you get the vagina, you have to dilate Meaning you have to basically stick this hard, uncomfortable plastic dildo in you and hold it there for 30 minutes, four to five times a day. Not do anything with it. Any no fun allowed. Just hold it there. And it is not comfortable. And the least sexy thing you could I could possibly imagine you can do with a thing like that. And you have to do this while you're still kind of raw and a little bloody, but it gets better. And then you have to, once it gets better and you get comfortable, you have to switch to a bigger one. And then a little later after that, a slightly bigger one. And then a little later after that, a slightly bigger one. And if you don't do all this, the vagina will atrophy and it'll get shorter and shorter until it basically is, you have no depth. The, you don't have to keep doing it like five times a day, every day for the rest of your life. Eventually it gets down to two times a week. Yeah, dilation is brutal. That's I feel that alone is a reason like going to work would be 
really hard. I mean, um, imagine having to like basically use up your lunch, your lunch breaks. Like take two 30 minute lunch breaks. It's like, hey boss, I need to go find a place where I can lie down in, uninterrupted for 30 minutes and stick this thing inside me for medical reasons. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be a fun conversation. I, that's not a conversation. My boss is as, much, as cool as a boss can be in the capitalist system. However, there are limits. Um, and I work at a business where basically we regularly interact with a lot of the weirder parts of the internet, like a lot of pornography, a lot of weird shit, and we discuss and laugh about it because it is hilarious, and that's the only way we can avoid traumatizing ourselves by looking at some of this stuff. And I would not ha- be comfortable having this conversation for official workplace purposes with that boss. <laughs> if you're it, boss, it, if you listen, if you listen to this, sorry, bro. Does he know about this podcast? Uh, yeah, he knows. Oh, so there's a chance. Hey, boss, just in case you're tuning in. Um, yeah. Um, this is why I'm not at work <laughs> during the busiest time of the year. Hey, this is like, this is further proof in addition to the doctor's notes. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is the proof. You definitely n- had the surgery. Yeah. Um, okay, so while yeah. all this is going on, the way the Family Medical Leave Act works in the United States, the day you have, the day, basically the day you're incapacitated or can't work is the day they send you the confirmation paperwork. So the day I went to surgery, 6 a.m., the same day is the same day they sent me like all the stuff I need to forward to my doctor and have them fill out, plus the stuff I needed to fill out. Mm-hmm. And then I was stuck in the hospital for f- four days. And then I spent another basically week and a half on my back. And you have to have this stuff in 15 days, within 15 days to make your claim. And yeah, um, that was easily the most stressful part of this whole business. Literally, gave, like all the blood. Gave me a panic attack. I had to call a surgical nurse, and basically we dealt with that. But the thing that kept me up the most and stressed me out the most was dealing with the American Family Medical Leave Act because as, gener- as quote, generous as that thing is, it's kind of ass. But once that got resolved and I got out of the hospital and out of the B&B area, you have to stay near the doctor for two weeks, by the way, just in case you get an infection or something goes wrong or you get a bleed that doesn't stop or you know the blood flow didn't take and your vagina starts dying or neck or, or part of the flesh starts you know turning black and getting gross and killing you or you get a staph infection there's all these risks but now like three weeks out i am chilling with alia in dc and for the most part i have not been in pain unless i did something stupid and pulled out a stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, the dilation sucks, but you know, I've got a prescription for like some some of the good stuff on top of my usual stuff. My usual stuff being estrogen and my antidepressant and a vitamin D pill because I'm basically a vampire who gets no sunlight. <laughs> I have to make sure I have to take all these so I can heal regularly. You know, I have to take zinc and vitamin B to make sure my nerves recover properly. Vitamin C to make sure I don't get scurvy. That's a good goal. Um, this like herbal supplement thing, I can't remember the name of and I don't want to look at right now. So the bruising doesn't become an issue. And because I'm young, I'm in really good shape. And I met all the doctor's requirements and followed her instructions to, as well as I could have, basically to the letter. Um, 
basically I've had an almost pain-free recovery. I've not needed any prescription painkillers after the hospital. Like the worst thing I can do, like if I do anything that does cause pain, it usually goes away by the time I stop doing the stupid thing I'm doing. So far my recovery has been pretty much on track. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, uh, unexpected surprise in all this. You think having major surgery on your genitalia would basically kill your sex drive. It doesn't. Just throwing that out there. And you know how you're basically sore after sex though? Yeah, that's me the entire three weeks. So sex drive's still there, still very much in place. And doctor's orders do not touch, and then your body's like, whoa, everything's very sensitive down here. Not helping. But um, given the sensation level I have and how everything's working so far, uh, I think I'm probably going to have a pretty easy time becoming orgasmic and having sex stuff again if I want to, you know? So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm, awesome. it's, I'm, really, looking, I'm really looking forward to that because, you know... Oh, by the way, just for those of you who don't know, in the trans community, there's this huge taboo about talking about sex and sex lives because there's a huge thing about taking the focus of transsexuals off of sex because that's sort of, that's oh. because there's like this huge media obsession with trans people and sex and focusing on our genitalia. And this whole talk probably hasn't helped, but since I'm like, you know, completely Z-list in the in terms of public figures, who cares? You're my audience, I'll talk to you. Other than that, um, for the most part, it's just I have a lot of time to kill. So right now I'm basically doing some studying for some certifications. I've read a few, I've read a book that I've been meaning to. I am probably gonna read another book that I've been meaning to. Um, I basically finished Nicola and I'm gonna put a serious dent into correspondence or finish it. By Tim Murphy. Tim Murphy, who we talked to. Yeah. You've watched some Broad City with me. I've watched a shit ton of Broad City. I watched, um, I love that show. I may have never admitted this before, but I love Broad City. It's so good. So good. I watched uh, Daybreak, which is basically Ferris Bueller meets the apocalypse. And it is amazing. It is dumb, but amazing. And it features a post-apocalyptic gay black samurai and that is amazing and i love it nice uh what else i've been watching a lot of trash anime for those of you who care um ascendance of a bookworm mm -hmm. um what else am i watching finished demon slayer which is amazing um didn't i say to make my abilities average in the next life which is basically you know teenager goes to another world with superpowers and abilities but she's just really happy to chill with like people her age like a normal person yeah. and it's basically fantasy slice of life so it's cute as fuck Aww. um adorable you know i'm also looking forward i need to sit down and watch the steven universe movie oh yeah uh i finished off shira the new season and that is gay as fuck and if you like if you basically want a lesbian girls cartoon series there you are i think a lot of our listeners like gay as fuck things i'm just guessing Apparently the new L Word is out. I need to watch that too. Yeah, it came out December 8th. I haven't seen that yet. We should do, we should do a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have some listener questions too, if you want. Let's do it. All right. There are just two of them. But what's your post-surgery comfort food going to be? So I guess even in retrospect, what was your post-surgery comfort food? Those gummy rings. 
Those peach gummy rings are amazing. And Miriam H's, who's been a guest on the show, her mother-in-law sent me basically, I think, a five-pound bag of those things, and we killed it. It was so sweet. It was so good. So good of her. Thank you so much. And it might be just in time for an impeachment, hopefully. Ha And you had peach rings. Peach rings for impeachment. Maybe that was foreshadowing. In a weird way. Yeah. Someone else, I'm not going to name the people who sent in a question, but you know who this is. She says, my question is, I want to hear about Ellie's mom. So basically, she's a fan of your mom, as I am, and I think a lot of people are because she's fucking badass. Can you just like, I guess, talk about your mom and... Where she figures into this whole process? Yeah, and just how great she is. Okay, so my mom is a really, really, really good person. So for this process, for the two weeks after surgery, you're, I basically can't do anything myself. I can barely sit up. I can barely stand. And both are discouraged. In fact, your standing orders for your, while you're in the hospital, you basically can't stand unless you're walking to, with the nurses. And that's maybe, you do that maybe three times tops if you're lucky. Um, after that, you stand up, you get wheelchair to your car, you go home, or go to the B&B in this case. And I can only get up three to four times a day to go to the bathroom, and that's it. That's all I was allowed to get up for basically a week. Since I basically can't go out or move, um, you have to have what's called a surgical buddy, meaning somebody who would be there for the entire two-week run and help take care of you. The only person who could do it on the short notice of, what was it, like three months, uh, was my mom. And she stepped up, and she did it. And we basically hung out in this B&B after surgery and watched The Crown and caught up. And she told me stories like about my father, about my family. And maybe I'll share some of those later on. But it was really good to hear all these stories from her about our family growing up, moving to America, some really fun family trivia that I've never heard before. <laughs> and... She did this all, like, basically the day before we had to leave, another family crisis came up. And I was like, do I, like, mom, if we, if you need to stay and handle this, because I assume she was the one who's going to handle it because she's usually the one who handles everything. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you need to handle this, I can put this on hold. It'll cost a bit of money, $3,000, by the way, to reschedule, but I'll do it because this is important. She's like, no, there will always be another crisis. Let's just get this done. So, yeah. Um, thankfully, my dad stepped up and took care of it while we were out of town. My mom was able to take care of me. And it was not easy on her. She was worried as fuck. She had, she slept in the hospital room for four days with me. She had to basically take care of my dumb ass while I couldn't do anything. She gave up Thanksgiving to hang out with me. So, Mom, if you ever listen to this, thank you and I love you. Do you think she'll ever find out about this podcast? What's your prediction? Maybe in 10 years. Yeah. Like long after the fact. Yeah. She's going to like point out all the bullshit I got wrong. And that's going to be like, God damn it, mom, you're right. But, you know, let me feel like an adult for once in my life. No, I'm joking. I will never feel like an adult. I will always feel like a total 12 year old with a credit card. (laughs) Um, You can drive. My dad would let me drive at 12. He did? He would. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so a few other things you have to deal with is, so peeing, 
that's fun because everything is swollen and everything because everything's swollen it's kind of like aiming all over the place so yeah that was fun for the week two weeks that was a thing it's gotten mm-hmm. better thank fucking god um starting to get a lot of feeling back down there so a lot of really like it was a bit numb for a while in a lot of places but now there's a lot of feeling back um supposedly i'll be slowly getting feeling back as the nerves sort of figure themselves out for the next six months or so mm-hmm. and um since and so far i am i have not experienced any regret which is shocking to me because i always regret and second guess myself and everything like i used to think like because the surgery cost me anywhere from like 25 to 35 grand or 40 grand in the united states it's like I always thought I would have a better purpose for that money, you know? It's like, yeah, I really hate this thing, but it's functional, I guess. And I could do a lot of things with 35 grand. I could, you know, put a down paint on my house. I could go back to college if I really wanted to go through that hell again. I could, you know, put a huge dent in my student loans. I could go on the world's greatest bender for a couple weeks. I'm glad you have insurance covering this. Um, do you want to talk about how it's been navigating it? The insurance company itself, who's paying for it, um, has been all, has been pretty all right. They haven't been trouble. It's just dealing. I have to deal with a separate insurance company who basically gives my workplace the okay on my medical leave, and that has been way more way more stressful. Just because you have to coordinate between that insurance company the other insurance company your workplace the doctor's office and the hospital oh god so many parts to this yeah and once they got it all together like any stress related to the surgery was gone like now it's more like the most stressful thing i have to worry about is making sure i follow the schedule which is at this point fairly routine it's written on paper i just have to nail it down and you know, keep myself busy. And I have Alia here, who is the best person to hang out with ever for introverts. <laughs> and two cats and our friends who stop by. And because I kind of missed having time to do the podcast because I had to sit a lot of stuff out because I had to schedule a lot of stuff around appointments and I had to miss interviews and had scheduling conflicts because of it and i'm really glad to be back and doing this you're back um, yeah oh uh you guys may have noticed that i opened with hey i'm pan as opposed to pi now basically the joke was going to be new year new prone or not new year new year new labels you know and i've been thinking about it a while and i've always avoided using pan just because it's like i could say pan but more people understand what bi is and i don't have to explain it but you know what let's go with accuracy pan that's how I'm feeling about queer um, versus lesbian. I've just, I don't know, I, I became so comfortable with the label lesbian for so many years that it just was a default for me and kind of automatic. And so I've started saying I'm Saudi American and queer because that's way more accurate. And for me personally, like, doesn't make me stick to a binary. So. But, you know, some people have said, um, have basically poked me about, hey, Ellie, how are you feeling about, you know, being on the gender binary and pronouns? And I've always, like, thought about that, and now I think I've kind of reached it. It's like, 
I've always been kind of androgynous, but I tend towards femme at times. I think I'm comfortable where I am. I kind of like my androgynous look. I sometimes veer into masculine just because it's fun. Usually I, I'm like slightly tilted towards the femme. Do you feel that's accurate? You're the outside observer here. I'm, I feel it's accurate because you say it's accurate. That's what matters, how you feel. Okay. But if you're talking about like how you present. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I, my observation matches with that. I don't know. For those of you who have seen me and hung out with us, please contradict me if you can. I'm curious. I'm always curious to what people think about my my appearance and stuff just because I'm... Fair, fair. But coming up in 2020, um, I think it's a year to be a lot less apologetic and cautious with who I am. I think I need to just, like, live loud and proud more so, I guess. Do you? And assert myself in the labels I you know, live with and want. Fuck yeah. Well. So what do you want for Christmas, by the way? I mean. I don't even know. I, I never think about that stuff. I told you what I wanted for Christmas. Leggings, yoga pants, and a vibrator. I, I want people to call me to cat sit for them because I like having cats to hang out with. That's usually the best Christmas present or any holiday. And when holidays come around, people tend to ask for cat sitting. That is a great gift for me is like access to cats so you heard her folks alia is ready to the cats hit all your cats during the holidays <laughs> thank you so much ellie for talking about all this uh if anyone wants to hit me up and ask questions about anything i'm willing to talk about this for like at least another month just privately just hit me up on twitter or instagram and or just like message us on our facebook page and i will totally let you know or mess or you know hey you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can hit us up at Twitter at The Queer Arabs, Instagram at The Queer Arabs, <laughs> Facebook at The Queer Arabs. You can hit us, you can listen to our podcast at wherever you're listening now at thequeerarabs.com. If you want to reach out to Ellie directly on Instagram, though, it's Ellie wants to shit post. If you write to The Queer Arabs on Instagram, I'm the one who manages that social media account, so. Uh, yeah. Just FYI. If you want to hit me up directly on Twitter, it's Ellie Queer Arabs. If anyone wants to ever reach out to Ahmed, like anyone who knows Arabic, he runs the Arabic side of the podcast. So feel free to reach out to him at thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, it's called now. It really helps. Honestly, like it helps the visibility of the podcast so people can access it. People are more likely to find it so please take a moment on apple podcasts or any other app that you can make a review rate and review us it means a lot and it actually like it has tangible results like seriously i I know like every youtuber and podcaster says you know like subscribe and rate and all that junk it's because it really like it ridiculously helps the analytics everyone every upvote every positive review is super meaningful so thank you for that the objective is that we want people to who might get something out of our podcast to to be able to come across it more easily anyway thank you for listening thanks all